A Light to the Nations is a production of the Ephesus School Network. December 3rd, 1979, as fans lined up for admission to a concert by The Who at Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, they grew impatient and began pushing forward, eventually crashing through the metal and glass barriers and prematurely letting thousands of people inside the venue. In the mad rush toward the stage, 11 people were trampled to death and 26 others injured. The unhinged madness and sheer horror of that scene is not unlike what we hear in the opening verse of Luke chapter 12, where an innumerable multitude of people were gathered together so that they trampled one another. Making matters worse, Luke tells us that prior to that, the Pharisees were assailing Jesus vehemently, cross-examining him so that they might accuse him. And yet, despite the pressure of the Pharisees lying in wait to catch him, and amidst the chaos of people trampling each other underfoot, Jesus begins to teach. He warns his disciples what it is they need to be aware of, and whom it is they should fear. The leaven of the Pharisees is like that salt, which having lost its flavor, is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The threat of punishment is severe for those who would insult the spirit of grace and trample underfoot the Son of God. It is indeed a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of A Light to the Nations. I'm your host, Father Fred Shaheen. Today's scripture coincides with the lectionary of the Orthodox Church, on Friday, November 3rd. Let's hear Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell." Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. 
And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The verb translated as trampling in verse 1 is katapatin, and it occurs a few other times in the New Testament. All of them have negative connotations. From Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. And from Luke chapter 8, verse 5, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. In Jesus' explanation of the parable a few verses later, we learn that those seeds are the word which the devil comes and takes away, lest the hearer believe and be saved. Whether something is trampled underfoot or trampled down, it is discarded and not used for its intended purpose. That's at its most clear in Matthew chapter 5. When salt loses its flavor, it is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Here in Luke 12, the image of innumerable multitudes gathered together and trampling one another is ominous particularly in that it introduces a discussion by Jesus about the false teaching of the religious leaders. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. As hearers, we get the impression of herds being led in disarray and to their destruction by bad shepherding. That Jesus is referring to the teaching of the Pharisees is most apparent in the parallel text from Matthew, which is against the Sadducees also. There, we learn that when his disciples assume he is referring to bread, he corrects their understanding. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's Matthew 16, verses 11 and 12. Here in Luke... Against the false teachings of the religious authorities, Jesus is teaching the true words of God, his Father. This echoes what Paul asserts at the beginning of his letter to the Galatians. But I make it known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Throughout this section of Luke, the text makes a distinction between the things of men, the false teachings of the religious leaders and the practices of the lawyers, and the things of God. The former are false and hypocritical. Jesus warns against the false teaching, not only telling his disciples to beware, but also assuring them that the true teaching will come to light. Verse 2, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known, repeats much of the same verbiage from chapter 8, verse 17, where it follows the parable of the sower, again the subject of which is the seed 
the word of God. And since there is nothing hidden that will not be known, there is nothing to be feared in those who would persecute the followers of Jesus, even those who would put them to death for confessing him. The only one to be feared is God, who has the power not only to kill, but after he has killed, to cast into hell. Note how Luke makes his argument by repetition of the verb fovethete, to fear, five times in four verses. Thus, since it is only God that is to be feared, one should, like Paul, only seek to please him. Again, the source for this teaching seems to be Galatians. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. That's Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Since the hypocrisy of the Pharisees will eventually be brought to light, and since Jesus' disciples have only God to fear, he warns them against denying him before men. It will not save them in the end, but will result in their being denied before God. Verse 10, however, in which Jesus says, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit it will not be forgiven, has been the source of much theological debate and speculation. What are we to make of this distinction between a word against the Son of Man which will be forgiven and blasphemy against the Spirit which will not? The issue of forgivable versus unforgivable sin has to do with acceptance or rejection of the gospel word confirmed by the Holy Spirit. A person may speak his own word against the Son of Man, but may eventually realize his error and correct it. But if God himself validates through his own spirit his abiding word of his gospel concerning Jesus Christ, anyone who has received that divine validation and still rejects it commits the ultimate sin, blasphemy against God himself. Thus the rejection of the grace of God offered in Christ through his sacrificial death and confirmed by his spirit is deemed blasphemy. Luke says that it will not be forgiven, that is to say, it is an utter rejection by the one who would benefit from it of a final extension of grace. In the scriptures, the severity of the punishment for sin progresses from speaking a word against the Son of Man, who is going to be delivered to death, to blaspheming against the Spirit of God, which confirms his status as the Christ and will continue to speak even after Christ is physically absent. Do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Thus the Spirit represents yet another offer of grace after the rejection of the law given by Moses and the trampling down of the Son of Man. Insulting that third and final offer will result in judgment, which the letter to the Hebrews presents in the strictest terms possible. Let's conclude today's episode by hearing Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law 
dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This concludes episode 27 of A Light to the Nations. I hope you've enjoyed listening, and I look forward to meeting with you again in two weeks.